Hello everyone and welcome to season two of the DMU Politics, People and Place podcast. In today's episode we have Harry, Jemima and Asatu, the leaders of this year's book club. The book for this year is Insurgent Empire, Anti-Colonial Resistance and British Descent. And this book was written by Priya Gopal and it looks at how colonial subjects were active agents in their own liberation and how this shaped British ideals of freedom and emancipation. The question that will be discussed in today's podcast is, what does it mean to be liberated? So one of the main themes of the book that we're going to be studying um, is liberalism, liberalisation, the idea of being liberated. So what does being liberated actually mean? Because there's loads of different ways it could be interpreted. Um, I got the definition from Google, and then we can work from that. (laughs) So I got down the action of setting someone free from imprisonment, slavery, or oppression. And then it says semicolon release. So I think mainly we're going to look at oppression, that theme. Yeah. Yeah, so how can we work with that? Go ahead. Um, I think one thing that needs to be touched upon is that being liberated has many different levels to it. And being physically liberated, as in having mm-hmm. authority figures release their control over you, still doesn't remove the mental mm-hmm. liberation that is still on a lot of nations, especially African nations. They still do have um, like a bondage yeah. to Western values and they continue to perpetrate it within their cultures, yeah. even though that authority isn't over them. I don't know what you guys think. I would agree with that. I think when you see it with a lot of cultures different um beliefs <clears throat> i mean definitely you're right i mean if you look at say with like apartheid south africa um even when apartheid has been ended the the you know you're still it's still going to be a while before you can fully <coughs> mentally free yourself from those views and the constraints yeah. that you've lived under it's the set i mean it goes for both sides you know uh black people can finally acknowledge that they are equals in mm-hmm. in society um, and white people need to acknowledge that they're no longer superior and yeah. it's going to take time for both sides to acknowledge that um, I mean in South Africa we still sort of see those tensions yeah. um, even actually in, in British society I was going to say about Britain like also on the other side the flip side is like Britain has like the Commonwealth so it doesn't allow these countries to feel like yeah. they've been separated <coughs> as well if you, th- <coughs> if you say okay yeah they've been freed but you still have like these bonds with them and they're still kind of relying on you and in times of need they're going to look to you it doesn't make it easy for like these countries to develop on that by themselves especially when like britain's developed so much yeah in like the last how many years so yeah so off the backs of those countries i think yeah exactly yeah and then now we have like all the new stuff coming through with sustainability and how those countries can't do it the same way britain did it through like if you think about with nigeria Mm -hmm. with oil yeah if they had the knowledge, the expertise, they could fracture it themselves mm-hmm, yeah. and yeah. sell it for much more profit. However, because they don't have that, they even though they get the oil themselves, they outsource it for that to happen. And then sometimes they lose money. There's all, yeah, it, there's also big back, issues is, of corruption within yeah, Nigeria when it, it comes to it oil. In itself, <clears> and <throat> part of it's to do with the fact that when you are liberated but you've been stopped from progressing at the same level as all these other Western nations, you never had the chance to develop those skills in um, fracturing oil or even understand building a factory. And it sometimes does make me question, how far would have lots of African nations or other third world nations gone if 
they hadn't been stopped in the first place? Would they have even been at the same level if um, Western nations hadn't come? And because of this mental mental chains that they have yeah. on them, it's slowing down the development even further. And I think one thing that people also fail to realise is that internally within these nations, there's a clash between Western values and um, cultural, cultural values. Yeah, so, yeah, like, cultural I, can, values. I can speak for Ghana mm-hmm. in the sense that... Um, I, I will have, like, issues with my parents because there are Western ideals that I, I believe in, but in Ghana, they haven't reached a point where it would make sense to have those ideals. <clears throat> I saw something that said that lots of people get mad at African nations for not legalising gay marriage, but yeah. they haven't really got to that point of development where they would do that because they still haven't been emancipated to that yeah. level. You need to allow that kind of development to occur naturally, and it might take some and time. The reason gay marriage hasn't been legalised, is that due to religious influences? Mainly religious yeah. influences. It, often, it can, yeah, West, often, yeah. yeah. Because it wasn't like that before the yeah, West got a lot there. Of, so um, it's a bit like... You, it's it's, it's, it's weird. kind of weird, because <laughs> a lot of African nations yeah. were free-spirited, and it... They didn't believe yeah. in gender, first yeah. of all, so like being two genders two separate genders together, made, didn't make any yeah, sense it made sense to be two genders what we consider yeah. gendered like in one person yeah it wasn't a thing that like like patriarchy yeah. wasn't really a thing <clears throat> it, yeah. okay there was elements of it but it wasn't to the same degree as what you would see now it was when christian missionaries came yeah. and yeah. said this is how you do things and you still see that to this day yeah um so my father when he was he lived in france mm-hmm. and um he knew these American students that were learning uh, French for the sole purpose of travelling to Senegal and other French-speaking African countries yeah. to pass on the word of Jesus, basically as missionaries. Um, and that sort of a, still seems to be a common thing, even though I yeah. kind of consider that sort of missionary thing to be something of the past. It's like still, it yeah. still happens to this day. Um, do you think it's problematic? Like, yeah. I, think, I mean, I, I, I'm not a religious myself. Yeah. I do... I mean, I think religion. I mean, you know, religion can hold people back. You think back to sort of the Middle Ages and the advancements, the Catholic Church's um, obsession with the work of Galen and how uh, wrong that work was and how incorrect it was, and how people weren't allowed to advance. Yeah. Um, and obviously, with with the sort of the plague and the Black Death, the misinformation that was around there at the time, um, to then sort of have in the Renaissance this sort of resurgence where religion is no longer such a dominant influence. Mm-hmm. And people are allowed to be more free. They have more money to spend because a lot of people have died. Um, they can properly invest in education. I think it's I think it's um, important. I think by all means be religious, but then I think also be sort of pragmatic in your religion. Yeah. By all means have faith, but acknowledge that there are something like science, for example, should take uh, sort of a higher stance than mm-hmm. religion. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Like I feel like. Instantly, I would say, yeah, missionary in African countries or like the, any third world country would be bad because it's just that imposing sense. I've, that's the one thing I think I just don't like when you, I feel like someone's imposing on someone else's space and not allow, allowing them to progress in the ways that they could have. If you haven't given anyone the space to grow, you can't possibly say, okay, they, they haven't grown because. Yeah. Yeah. But um, at the same time, like I can see why people would do it, but just a bit like, uh. Is a bit yeah yeah I understand I think one thing that like I get from this is that as somebody who is Christian mm-hmm. I believe you need to spread the message of God like <clears throat> there's there's devout reasons why we believe we should do that however it is it is understanding that anything can mani- be manipulated to be used as a force for bad mm-hmm. when it is 
I mean, there's good, a reason yeah. some of the most religious, uh, some of the most poorest areas in the religious. world are very religious. Yeah, you yeah. look at places in Brazil. Mm-hmm. It makes in, sense. In, in, what in is a, there's African a word countries. for that. Um, what is it called? They have, I forgot the term. When I remember it, I'll bring it up. Like, it, it makes sense. And, like, I think um, it's to understand that imperialism isn't only authoritative control, like, we're going to seize your borders. Imperialism can be in the form of Christian missionaries who take the word of God, manipulate it, and like I don't know who says it, but he says um, religion is uh, is an opium is the opium um, of yeah. the masses or something Max. like. You can use that. You can make people feel relaxed. You can you know tell people this is the way you do yeah. things. If you pray really and, hard. Then, yeah, you know, God is going to bless you. That's why they make poverty seem righteous. But the thing is, the Bible um, preaches that the lazy man doesn't get anywhere in life you have to work hard it also preaches life is going to be hard and you do need to work hard to get to places it's not only praying it also teaches you know you shouldn't have stage you shouldn't have all these kind of things so it's like it doesn't matter it de- yeah like it, they cherry pick certain things and it's like it depends whose hands it is and that's what happens isn't, isn't it with and britain in terms of like the book of course like yeah it's like the insurgent <laughs> empire so like yeah, that's what happened with Britain. They chose what message they were going in to spread. And they've kind of left it behind. And they're still reco- recovering from that. And that's what makes it really sad. Um, In terms of, like, like modern-day examples, yeah. we were speaking about India <clears throat> and, like, COVID response and how um, that sense of lack of, like... I, what, what did I write that? It didn't I really think. have the infrastructure to deal with it. You look at yeah. the way that... In, in, say, over India, it's a country of uh, millions of people. Exactly. I'm not sure what the exact figure is. People in tightly packed conditions, you can't socially distance in that. It was a Western yeah. privilege that we were able to socially distance and mitigate mm-hmm. the spread of the virus because we were able to just stay at home. Yeah. For some people in 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 India, that's not that's not possible. Yeah. You know, we see how crowded the tra- we see how crowded yeah. the trains are. There isn't that infrastructure there. The Brits love to go. The British people who love the British <laughs> Empire say, "Oh, we gave them the railway system." Yeah. It's like, well, you know. And yeah, so that's what I wrote down. I wrote liberation versus that. In that situation, what yeah. we kind of saw is abandonment. You left yeah. those people to deal with the structures that you've left behind, and you haven't gone in to help them. Especially with the peak of this year in April, when we saw like how I put down four hundred thousand new cases, like was a daily average yeah. at one point. And it's crazy to think that in a world where it's like okay, we've seen so much progress and we have so much technology and like. The, we would, yeah. as you said, like we had so many privileges d- during the pandemic. We were giving out funding, uh, like we had, like stuff to give to past colonies and whatnot, and we just didn't. And I think like, we've seen even even this year the idea of interventionism, imperialism. It doesn't. Uh, doesn't work. I mean, look at the situation in Afghanistan. Yeah. You spent twenty years there imposing uh, a Western version of democracy, democracy exactly. and then the second you start withdrawing. The old guys come back in, and then everything resorts back to how it was before the invasion of Afghanistan, two thousand two. Yeah. Um, and you've left them in the and state. And you've left yeah. people in the. You, you've made. You've improved. Don't get me wrong. Guys improved. Women were getting educated. Mm-hmm. People in government actually, you know, feeling responsible and not living under the Taliban. Mm-hmm. But then you then leave, and then the Taliban then come back in and reimpose everything how they wanted it to be imposed. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like you know lives have been lost for nothing millions of yeah, billions yeah. of pound, uh, billions of um of you know sterling dollars have been wasted and um, you've just like gone into a system like we don't know what it would have been today if we hadn't gone in 2002 so we've gone into a system and like taken how many years from them yeah. and not seen what it would have been it's I think I think stuff I think stuff has been given, but then I think stuff has also been taken. taken and what we're seeing now is this day, and we saw 
the disdain um, and the treatment that the people who had helped uh, the people the Afghan people who had helped uh, the Allied forces in Afghanistan we saw how they were they were treated when translators weren't getting um, put onto the evacuation planes mm-hmm. um, the treatment of officials um, who had helped people who had risked their lives. Um, to help people because of what they perceive to be good. Yeah. And they basically got thrown under the bus. I think yeah. all of it kind of plays into the white saviour complex. Yes. And um, it just reminds you of something that Gayatri Spivak spoke about in Candace Subalton speak. And when you were talking about women in Afghanistan and things like that, part of the reason is, is that you leave people, you abandon them, you destroy everything about them, and then you go into their nation, speak for them about what they need and what they should do, and it's like no one in that nation has even spoken up for themselves or what they need. Like, um, yeah. lo- there's lots of cultural things um, in relation to COVID. Like when we're speaking about India, they can't socially distance. Like that's their thing. Yeah. And it's like you don't listen to these nations. You go and you tell them this is what you need to do. And it's like there's no cultural awareness yeah. whatsoever. It's just about let's make Western nations look good. Yeah. We we want to feel good about ourselves yeah. going into these nations. And it's like when I think about how long it took like Ghana to get the the vaccine. Like it didn't make and yeah. it didn't make any sense. And the crazy thing is that I was seeing videos, and lots of Ghanaian people didn't even know how to pronounce coronavirus. Like yeah. even the even the names, the terminologies that were giving things, no um Cultural, like yeah. sufficient translation yeah, for them exactly. to understand these kind of things. Like if the nation can't pronounce it, what do you think? How do you think they're gonna respond how to serious, social how they're gonna yeah, be like? Yeah. If people are, like I saw a video like it was funny, but the lady didn't even know how to pronounce hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Like if there's no sufficient translation of these things, like you were talking about earlier, and how yeah. um, people weren't providing translation during those um, issues going on with, in Afghanistan and things like that, how do you expect people to respond to things? And it's and I find it um, kind of weird that when people are being liberated in the book that we're um, going to be discussing. They use Western ideals for that liberation, yeah, but when it came to COVID, that. they couldn't do the same well, see, that, thing. I think that was the thing: is that with COVID, is that coronaviruses aren't like a novelty; that they've been around for yeah. ages. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, there's recently been a report that was just released today that says that the UK's um, public response was the worst that's yeah. ever been on that's ever that's ever happened, and how we should have been looking at um, countries in Southeast Asia like South Korea, yeah. um, yeah. Vietnam who are used to dealing with coronaviruses and we should have adopted that approach. You know, they've got the blueprints and it's almost like this reluctance to do it because <clears throat> for so long, the West seemed to have been like the leading pioneers and how to and how to, go they and how wanted to, to be the blueprint. And now it's like, oh, well, now we've got to listen to you guys. And it's like, well, we know what we're talking about. And they go, we're not going to do that. You know, like, shake hands with coronavirus patients. Wash your hands. Like, that like, sort of thing. And that was our prime minister. Which was basically... That, that, that was our prime minister. <laughs> that was In one of the biggest public health crises the UK has ever experienced and you've got the Prime Minister of the country going sing happy birthday when you wash your hands and you'll be safe oh you're going to lose your loved ones yeah. that's just and yeah. it was just weird to hear such a morbid in, statement I think, I think in the West in, I think it was in, in Japan the Prime Minister of Japan he resigned over the government's handling yeah. of coronavirus yeah. 28 people had died yeah 28 people that. and in the UK, I think we've what one hundred and fifty thousand people have died to, at this point. Yeah. And has that there's been one no resigna- accountability. one resignation in government, and that, and that was, was only because he got caught nobbing someone else. Yes. <laughs> That's the only scandal. reason. Wasn't over the deal. Was nobbing in uh, regular terms is kissing. <laughs> or he had an affair. He had an affair. Yeah. 
Okay, I think that Matt was Han- more of Matt the problem. Matt Hancock had an, had an affair. That was the reason that he ended up resigning because he was seen as breaking social distancing rules. Yeah, even though he was he giving away million pound uh, PPE contracts to his mates. Um, mm-hmm. And you look at everything that this, uh, this government does. No accountability, You're right, Jamal? Like it, it doesn't make sense, and that's what plays into the white savior complex. Because I saw, I know this isn't related to COVID response in itself, but I saw an old clip. I don't know who. Um, was being asked a question but they asked do you think like the nations who you stole like their um, artifacts from like you know the golden calf the golden stool things like that do you think it should be returned to them and he was like you know like yeah it it, it was bad but now we like have it and it's in our museums and and, and it looks amazing they have the museums we're, we're, to do it yeah. we're showcasing that culture and it's like the, the lack of accountability yeah. from lots of western nations and then somehow subverting it and making it seem like do you know what? The Elgin Marbles yeah. is probably the yeah. most current example of that that I can think of. Um, the what? Sorry. The Elgin Marbles, okay. um, which were stolen, which were bought, which were basically stolen from Greece by Lord Elgin um, and oh, okay. brought over to the UK, and okay, they're in the British Museum. That. The British Museum is perhaps one of the biggest showcases of theft, of, of, of theft, theft. honestly, <laughs> of, of theft. And the, the fact that it's there, and James Acaster, a comedian, summed it up perfectly. Where basically, you know, he goes, um, "Well, you got you got something of ours." And you go, yeah, we know. Can we have it back? No, because we're still looking at it. Like, That's basically the... And even though Greece have... They developed a museum for the Elgamarbles to be returned, they've constantly said, we you know, we want it back. And I think if you want to improve relations between countries, especially in the aftermath of, say, Brexit, mm-hmm. and how sort of the UK has kind of severed a lot of ties with European countries, if you want to rebuild um, ties with those countries, start returning artefacts. The same with, like, Global Britain. That seems what's being done. Yeah. Return those artefacts to the countries that, they, that you've stolen them from mm-hmm. as a way of saying, look, it's wrong. We acknowledge that now. Um, this is a, in good faith. We are returning yeah, these. Yeah. And start to rebuild those relations. Like, say with... Um, actually, and even developing in sort of museums, say with, like, in Belgium, there's the Museum of Slavery. Yeah. Where Belgium uh, don't, like, shy away from... Because like, these are black people in zoos. Yeah. And they don't shy, they don't shy away from the fact Leopold, that... Leopold, no? Yeah, 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 King Leopold, yeah. Um, so short, so angry, so they they, they show off that they they, they, they you know they show the the tools that were used yeah. in order to uh, keep slave uh, to keep slaves um, in their place, and it's just about acknowledging stuff. Doesn't make it right, but you but it's have about to it's about acknowledging. It. In order to in order to progress, you have to acknowledge history and to you know say that that was wrong, and. I think that's like the big like people say like you can't hold people to stand you can't be, hold people to, in the eighteen hundreds to the standards yeah, yeah. of today. I th- I think one thing that like I want to think about is that we've gone like lots of third world nations have gone from I'm just gonna take the power back to can we have it can like can I have my yeah. thing back that yeah. you stole from me like I I really want to, I think that's something maybe we will understand from the book yeah is that how can these third world nations go from we are going to use guerrilla warfare or passive or anything, yeah. but we are going to make sure we get that thing back. Now we've gone to go in... I, I understand that, you know, it's about diplomacy and things like that, but where has that kind of fighting spirit to get these things back gone? Like, Africa has an African Union, and I don't know what it's doing. Like, I literally don't know what it's Nuclear doing. Nuclear weapons. Like, I don't... <laughs> that's, I was like, that's probably why nuclear like, weapons <laughs> exist now. I've never like, understood. It's similar to what, like, the uh, European countries got, like, the EU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it, it literally doesn't make any sense. I don't hear any updates. I don't hear us making... Maybe things are going on. I think on it's still in the pipeline, because I've got a friend of mine who's from Somalia, and he was talking about yeah. it. But it's a thing. It's slowly sort of, like, it, they're just trying to figure it's it out. It's been around for, like, a while, though, which doesn't make sense. And, like, one thing I've never understood is that 
I think Africa knows it's resource rich, but it resorted to something that happened. It's something that a lot of African men, like people have as a mentality that happened in COVID is that we're all out for ourselves. We're here to protect our people. And like people kind of talk about how a lot of African nations are like crabs in a bucket. I'm going to pull you down. Like, I don't want to see... I think COVID actually showed us that everyone's like that. Yeah, that's what everyone thing, yeah. Do you think like perhaps, it, say with, with these African countries, because they're so rich in minerals and mm-hmm. they've got the oil and everything, do you think there's this fear that if they start to show their true potential and that their power and that what they can do, that perhaps... You know, they don't know the truth. Wouldn't see, wouldn't see, see a repeat so. of, um, of say like the slave trade of the oh. British Empire. There perhaps be that. Oh, we've got to start taking you guys. No, but they don't know, their potential. They don't know their potential. Because, yeah, because I until I, th- I think until white people came, I don't think Ghanaians knew what gold really held, like the kind of power that gold held. Yeah. Like it's not that it wasn't a commodity because we literally had the gold and carved the golden stool. Yeah. Like, obviously, we understood the value, but it wasn't in a Western perspective yeah. where we understood that value. And I think one thing that Africans fall short on in terms of liberating themselves is the fact that if we're so resource-rich, we could literally be trading with each other. We yeah. could be... Like, I can give you what you need, like, free trading with each other yeah. to help each other build. But instead, it's like we're kind of using these Western capitalist ideals against each other and it doesn't really make sense. Even now when we know the value of these things. Yeah, but I think it's also a thing of unlearning because that's how it used to be. Yes, yeah. And it's just like, we, as... Decolonising, literally. Literally. So it's just like, they're trying, they, I guess they have ideas that if we can say it, then obviously someone in the African Union or some, like, leader has said it, that this is the way we should be doing it. But um, it's a thing of okay, yes, that's how we should be doing it, but how are we going to get everyone to participate again? And yes. especially now we've got, like, um, the influence of China as well. Like, they're coming in and they're showing that... That's oh, something you know, that needs to be discussed as well. We've got, Is we there not perhaps, to say, with, like, sort of the, the sort of unifying and that sort of stuff, the West... Where do you stand on sort of the, the language thing? From, so in the African uh, continent, there's loads of language, and obviously sort of, like, yeah. English and French are kind of seen as unify language to a certain mm-hmm. extent because you know there's only one type of English there's only one type I think of French with that I think with that what we need to consider is that that has now become a historical artifact within itself the yeah. fact that you have people that speak French or Portuguese or something like that's a historical artifact like it is a product of the history yeah. that we've been through so to remove it wouldn't make wouldn't I don't think would it make any like make any sense I think in terms of language the issue that we have is that with lots of Chinese investments coming into Africa, they are starting to want Mandarin to be... They teach it in schools. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what yeah. nation it was in Africa that said we're not going to make it like a, a fish. I don't know yeah, what they said, yeah. but, but they were reluctant because it, it is starting to become a form of neo-imperialism. Yeah, 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 essentially. And it's kind of like one of those things where I think people overlook it because... China, they've had their issues, their yeah. minorities, their... And we're in a... I mean, as we said, yeah. people, Taiwan. Yeah, and as we said, with the um, West, like, they're trying to progress in the Western way, and this is, like, a way for them to do that. Yeah. So, China coming in and telling you they're going to give you a 20-year contract doesn't sound like a long time, because how many years have you been impoverished for? Yeah. It's not going to seem like it's going to be crazy for your economy, but it's just like, you don't... Your economy hasn't developed, so you don't know what you're losing. Yeah. And it's just... Yeah, it's very much a thing of how... It's, it's easy to say, okay, yeah, they shouldn't do that, but it's just how do you convince these people that they're worth more? Because, they, because a lot of these nations, they only ever see the physical. They only see the money yeah. that we're getting, the infrastructure that they're getting, and they never see the mental things that they sign away 
when they when they sign these contracts you don't see how because they haven't been taught that yeah like cultural hybridity is fine i don't have a problem with like people mixing together creating a different culture but when you see your language starting to disappear and one language starts you know become dominant or you are seeing like you're having to kind of make these cuts people out yeah you're making these cuts that you're making cultural cuts for Mm. monetary gains and it's like i feel like when we talk about the levels it's because they never really knew that they were signing away their mental their spiritual like their own beings they were sending that away for monetary gains i think that's something that maybe they hadn't realized at the time when obviously colonialism was forcing them there but you don't really see those things now so then you saying that is like in a way like the liberation they thought they acquired they've it was more like a trade of self for like wealth which they have still not which, which was important they they needed to gain that sense of self back like yeah. i want my culture back i don't want your western ideals on me fair enough i need to use your western ideals to get that back but i, d- I don't want it anymore but now it's gotten to the point where if you think about it we can't blame them for being in the state that they are because if the west is doing good that's what i'm going to emulate i'm not going to emulate the people who are doing bad I'm not going to work with the people who I feel like are doing bad. I remember um, there was yeah. a Telegraph article that Boris Johnson wrote a few, a couple, definitely a couple of years ago, where there's basically he was arguing that the problem that, that you see in African countries now is that the British aren't in charge anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, we're, God, uh, I know. <laughs> this man's our prime minister. Um, he gets home I mean, so hard. He's, he's, he's the epitome of saying whatever he wants and being yeah. able to get away. No, but for all, no. But, and then it's kind of that sort of attitude that... Um, you know, or the problems would all be solved if, you know, we went back in. And, what you would know, you do exactly if you Exactly, did? what would they do? Exactly, you have to say. What, what because everything you did... Made them was, put in yeah. that state. It's like you can't just then return back. It's like, the way I always see it is, say, like, sort of in football terms, let's say a manager's taking control of a club mm-hmm. and they haven't done well and then you then, um, you then leaves and then it all goes to shit. You're not going to get the same manager back in again, are you? you you're going to, you're going to try something different. Yes. Um, so that was us on the topic of liberation, yep. just for a little bit, in terms of the book. Um, I think we went all around, but yeah. we got we got some ideas out. Um, this is what the book club is going to be like. It's just going to be us think, like reading chapters, obviously, and then we're going to come back and say what we think. Speaking um, freely, completely yeah, freely. Um, if you feel like this could be for you, come on. We'll, there will be posters around and there should be emails out too. It's going to be promoted for Black History Month, which is this month. So feel free to come and join us. Um, you can always test it out and if it's not for you, don't have to come again. But yes, um, that was me. I'm Isatu, by the way. I don't think we said our names. I'm Isatu. I'm Jemima. I'm Harry. And we're going to be running your book club this year. Um... Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoy discussions such as these, Come down to the book club's first meeting, which will be taking place on Thursday the 14th of October from 5 to 7pm at the Stephen Lawrence Research Centre meeting room at De Montfort University. Thank you.